We have a signal now for when I'm needed. But when that light hits the sky, it's not just a call. It's a warning to them. Fear is a tool. They think I'm hiding in the shadows. Live from the Gotham Underground Radio Waves, it's the Batship Podcast. Your host, myself, Reina Cervantes, who believes the Black Mirror might be the best Batman story of all time. That's my hot take for this week. <laughs> oh no, I don't have one. <laughs> yeah, let me introduce you and give you some time to think of one. Um, with me, as always, is my wonderful uh, host, co-host, I don't know, uh, like... I want to call you my Robin, but we're just as equal in this one. So we're we're just we're, uh, we're Robin and Batgirl. Yes. <laughs> yes. With me, as always, is Madison Fairchild, who what's your hot take for this week? Hi, everybody. My hot take is that um, I loved Batman v Superman and I saw it multiple times in theater. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We need to, like, I know I stopped you last week because of your hot take, so I'm going to stop you again for this one. Um, okay. Are we talking theatrical cut or ultimate edition? I prefer the ultimate edition, but the ultimate edition wasn't out when I went and saw it multiple times in theaters, so <laughs> I had a good time. I got very obsessed with, um, well, okay, I've atoned for my sins, but mm-hmm. at first I loved the Wonder Woman reveal. And and the Martha thing was funny. And um, I just was vibing with it. I saw it a bunch of times. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Did you know that that movie in particular is partially my inspiration for wanting to start this podcast? Oh, no way. Are you serious? Uh, true story. I went and saw it at the AMC Tyler 16 in Southern California. Opening night. Shout out. A, yeah. Shout <laughs> out to one of the best theaters in Southern California. Do not care. <laughs> Madison, it's that theater that we saw Chaos Walking in when theaters first opened up after the pandemic. Yeah, that movie was bullshit. And I saw it twice in theaters. That's the kind of movie I did not want to see twice in theaters. <laughs> But I did it anyway. Which is funny because I told you, I'm like, we don't have to see this. We can see something else. And I forgot what the other option was. I think it was Promising Young Woman. I think I got outvoted. I think we both suggested a movie and then uh, our our mutual friend Kyla broke the tie and I lost. (laughs) Then we went and saw Chaos Walking. Oh, because I think I saw like a screener for... Promising Young Woman already, so I had already seen you that. You both had seen it already, yeah. Oh, yeah, that does explain why I would, in my right mind, ever suggest Chaos Walking. <laughs> plus, I think it was... Anyway, shout out to that AMC. Yeah, plus I think it was an IMAX, and I was just craving it after like a year. We literally saw it because it was an IMAX. That is the actual reason we chose it, you're right. Yeah, so... I did not choose it. I did get outvoted, but that is why we saw it. So anyway, shout out to that theater. Um, I went and saw Batman v Superman opening night there way back in 2016, which feels like an eternity ago. I went and saw it there and walked out and had many, many, many thoughts to the point that I sat there with my friends on like the very top of the parking structure because you know how it's like on like the third level or the fourth level, the theater. Yeah. We stood up there for like an hour and a half just talking about the movie. And I was kind of leading the conversation a little bit on it. Um, And it 
kind of inspired me that I was like, oh, I would love to have a podcast one day where I just like talk about like Batman related media or movies. I love that. See, now I'm nervous because I haven't I didn't realize how many years ago that movie came out. I have not seen it since then. Like I saw it multiple times when it came out, but it has been years. And now I'm nervous that I just promoted something that I don't even know if I'd like it anymore. So fun fact, I can't watch Zack Snyder's like Justice League without watching the ultimate version of BVS beforehand. Oh, yeah. Well, and we are Snyder Cut fans on this pod. So, yeah, you know, do with that what you will. But also like. (laughs) <laughs> and whereas some people watch Justice League for four hours, I'm like, let's go seven hours, baby. Yeah, Jesus. It's a lot. It's a lot. But I love it. Anyway, your hot take of the week was far more interesting than mine. <laughs> um, my Mine is, is just like, oh, this beloved story is my favorite in all of Batman media. It's a it's valid because my hot take last week was lacking. So, yeah, because I don't even remember what your hot take was. That I like Batfleck, which I've been bullied for on the internet, but whatever. I stand by my position that that's not a hot take anymore, but I can see why at one point it was. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so this episode's going to be a little bit different this week. Um, Wouldn't you say so? Yes, we are doing our first interview interview, which is exciting. And it's our first of two Halloween episodes, which is really fun. Yeah, you guys are getting a Halloween double feature this Halloween because our initial Halloween plans didn't pan out. No, they didn't. Well, no, it wasn't that they didn't pan out. It's that we had multiple ideas. We did. <laughs> You're like, ah, oh, this Halloween would be good, but this would be good, too. So I guess I should just say what our Halloween episode is, huh? Yeah, go ahead. Why don't you tell our listeners what they're in for this week? This week, we're going to be covering the young readers novel, which is Five Scary Stories for a Dark Night. It's a Halloween Batman book, and I'm super excited for us to talk to the author, Kevin Scott. Kevin Scott is a New York Times bestselling author whose work includes novels, television, comic books, and award-winning audio dramas. He's written for a large number of high-profile series, including Star Wars, Batman, Doctor Who, Assassin's Creed, Pacific Rim, Transformers, Back to the Future, Star Trek, Vikings, Adventure Time, and more. That's a lot, huh, Reina? <laughs> My ears kind of perked up when you said Assassin's Creed. I was like, wait, what? Right, right. No, Kevin's awesome. So welcome to the show, Kevin. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah. How have you been doing? I saw that you were at New York City Comic Con this last week. I was. I'm sort of recovered um yeah. <laughs> i don't think i have really slept which is appropriate for a, a batman podcast oh, um but uh yeah I've t- i came back and sort of dived straight into edits of my next star trek novel so, uh, star trek star wars novel see this is what happens <laughs> my brain when you don't sleep melts yeah um star wars novels i mean i'm not writing star trek novels who knows one day never you never know um fingers crossed yeah because yeah, i need more star titles with star in the title um <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. It's, so it's been crazy. Um, but yeah, New York was so much fun. Um, and the title, The City That Never Sleeps, really, well, I really lived yeah. up to that this time. So um, oh my gosh. yeah, I'm suffering a bit. That is so funny. I also, we're both recording on a lack of sleep. I drove from San Francisco to LA after work yesterday. Wow. Okay. And then I got here and just never fell asleep. So we're both, <laughs> we're both going to be 
This could be a really interesting conversation. (laughs) Yeah, We're both on theme for this podcast, for sure. Um, That's so funny. I am not looking forward to the con jet lag when I go to London for celebration. So I can't wait because (laughs) this is the first convention in years that I'm going to be laughing at everyone else. Um, So, you know, because I'm used everyone usually for good reason completely rips um everything out of me because i i sit there i come in with my clothes backwards you know i'm completely a mess <laughs> i don't know where i am and um yeah it's it's usually a, it's usually bad so this time it'll be everyone else and i i can't wait yeah you can laugh at them i yeah. can i'm always so tired at conventions i can't imagine throwing like for anaheim throwing an eight hour time difference i would mm. i'd die that sounds horrible <laughs> I know. I always forget. I always forget that you have to recover from these things, which is why I'm yeah. editing a book this week. Um, so yeah. you would think <laughs> you know, after all these years, I would know, but I don't. I never learn. And and you agreed to be on a podcast. You just you put it all in one week. I'm very grateful to have you during a very busy week. No problem. But yeah, I would love for our listeners to learn more about your relationship with like with Batman. It sounds like you're dating. Um, My <laughs> wife sometimes thinks I am. <laughs> Oh man, there's always room for Batman in relationships. There always is. Yeah. What was your introduction to this character? I suppose because I'm quite old, um, it was (laughs) Batman '66. So it was Adam West, and and for a reason as well. That DC Comics, you might tell from my accent, I'm in the UK, um, (laughs) and we couldn't get DC Comics when I was growing up. I mean, you could, oh but gosh. you really had to f- fight for them. Um, Marvel was everywhere. Marvel weeklies, they just <laughs> pumped them out. If they could find any reason to do a comic coming out every week with loads of Marvel superheroes in it, they would, even if it didn't have Marvel superheroes in it, like Star Wars Weekly, they'd shove Star-Lord in the back. Transformers had Machine Man. So we oh were saturated gosh. by, and really weird um superheroes sometimes so yeah for me alpha flight I, I think i read them before i read the avengers so you know it was it was just they they chose the weirdest things um <laughs> but yeah dc was just not found and so it took me a long time to realize again growing up in the 70s the, the big three um you know batman wonder woman and superman were everywhere because mm-hmm. batman just hadn't stopped running um you know it was always oh, yeah. on telly um superman was obviously one of the biggest films of, of when i you know my young life and, and Wonder mm. Woman was just the mainstay of, of like weekly television then. Um, but I had no idea they all knew each other. <laughs> and so I think well, the first time I met, I, I read them in a comic and they were in the same comic, my mind was blown completely. Um, so because of this, DC became, um, when I first sort of started to discover that they were comic characters, um, it became like the holy grail to find DC comics and uh, at news agents where we usually buy things. They just, they weren't, they weren't there. Except for once I found one and this was quite a good comic to start with. It was a DC comics presents and it was Superman and Green Lantern on the front cover. I had no idea who Grand, Green Lantern was, oh my God. Um, but on the cover, he was killing Superman with an entire planet of kryptonite. So I thought this is cool. Picked it up in this comic is the first ever appearance of the new teen Titans. So what a way what? to be, to, I know, I, what? Um, oh my so, gosh. <laughs> and it was a preview. It was like, you know, it, it's a little tiny story of Raven sort of introducing herself to Robin. And I knew who Robin was, obviously. I couldn't work mm. out why he wasn't with Batman, but hey, hey, there you go. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that was probably my first realization that they were all in the same universe. Because hang on, if that means if Superman's there being killed by this guy with a ring, who apparently is his friend, um, 
and Robin's over there. That means Batman. Oh, and it was just like this light bulb oh went on. God. So I went looking for what we you know probably think of now as a traditional comic store, and it was one it called Forever People in Bristol, where I live. Um, and so that's why. I mean, I I love Marvel, but I think in my heart I'm a DC boy because of this. Yes. Because I had to fight for it. I had to really fight to understand who the hell all these characters were because we didn't know who the Justice League was. It wasn't something that would just, it was Flash. I had no idea Flash was. I, I, I discovered her. And it was this DC Comics Presents that really opened the doorway for me because every issue, and I don't know why they don't do this anymore, there would be, um, Brave and the Bulb was the same. Brave and the Bulb was Batman and someone else, um, <laughs> or something. Um, DC Comics Presents was Superman and someone else. The second one I bought was Hawk Girl and Superman. Um, oh and again, God. I had no idea who Hawk Girl was, but she saved Superman's life. And I thought anyone who has to save Superman's life is pretty cool. This is why I think DC is so important to me because I had to, I had to discover it. And then I was just the right age um, for after the original crisis for John Byrne to reboot everything, mm. you know, as, mm-hmm. as the Man mm-hmm. of Steel. And of course, then reading that and Batman turning up um, in in that sort of in in that first miniseries of the rebooted Superman was incredible because they had this amazing relationship I never really expected. I think I'd picked a couple of issues of World's Finest, Finest up and they were chums, old chum. And then this one, they were not. And I love that. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so the, the, late, the late 80s leading up to the glory that is Michael Keaton mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. was probably, my, you know, how I, I've just fell in love with these characters continually every month. And then Batman 89 happened and yeah. my life has literally never been the same ever since. And um, yeah. I yeah. bore everyone, everyone with Batman 89 and work. I mean, I, I pretty much try and get never rub another man's rhubarb into a, a conversation every day. It's just something <laughs> I, li- I like to do. You know, I, I'm always asking where people are getting their wonderful toys. Um, oh my I'm the kind of dad that when my children told me they were hungry, I would immediately respond with, I'm Batman. Um, <laughs> and it has defined me in so many ways. And obviously then Batman Returns came along and it was like, what oh, is going yeah. on? Um, yeah. And everything, the Prince soundtrack, um, just which I think I listened to. If you looked at my, even now to this day, if you look at my Apple playlist, Prince's Batman would probably play more in the year because it just makes oh my, my happy, God. it's my happy place. If I need to cheer myself up, Party Man goes on. Um, that is amazing. <laughs> and even one of the lines, I quite another. I drop random quotes into everything. Um, but and where and where is the Batman? Which isn't even from the film. It's from Bat Dance. Um, so yeah, it's I've struggled ever since with Batman movies. To oh be honest, my gosh. Um, yeah, I'm not. This is probably a lot of people will be just turning off the podcast now. I'm not a Christian Bell fan. I'm not a fan mm. of any Batman. So, oh, I'm a fan of them. I like them. Yeah, they're not my yeah. Batman. And um, <laughs> because also the other thing, and this is my other hill I die on, and it's, he's not in the first, the, the, the only proper two good Batman films, um, is that Batman needs Robin, always needs Robin, oh. without question. There needs to be a Robin beside Batman because Batman on his own is a monster. Um, and... <laughs> As we see in Batman and Batman Returns, you know, I totally think if if Keaton had got a Batman, then he might stop killing people in in the Batman films. Um, and I like that. I think that's an arc we should have seen. So yeah, while I yeah. like Forever, sorry, I realise I'm rambling. I get very excited. No, about I it. no, I love this. Please. <laughs> um, well, if we when we got Forever, I was like, oh, that's 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 not Batman. Um, but it was interesting. And we got Robin, and I was like, oh. 
That's yeah. how it's going. Um, and <laughs> then, of course, we never got Robin again after Batman and Robin. And Which is so weird. No, It's, it's like, so weird that he's never in movies, ever. <laughs> and it's so easily done. And I, yeah, So I, I write the, uh, a, a comic for DC called Titans United, um, which is sort of based on the TV show, the HBO show, um, <clears> and, but it's not. So it's, it's just whatever the roster is of the time on the show, I write a comic that has those characters, but Got in their it. comic yeah. equivalent. And what I love about, I mean, Titans is its own little world in so many ways, but actually mm-hmm. I quite like the relationship um, after they get over the fact they hate each other between Dick and, and Bruce in that and, oh and, and the Robins, you know, being brothers. And I, what I love about modern Batman is the fact they are properly a family and, you know, and Batman... Mm-hmm. I mean, he literally has a son called Robin, but he calls the rest his son as well. And, and that's, um, that's something that, you know, I'm a dad, it means a lot. And so I am convinced that, yeah, Batman needs Robin as much as the Doctor needs companions because mm-hmm. on their own, mm-hmm. they're gods and they're vengeful gods. Um, but with someone to care for and someone to be a, a mentor for and a, and a role model, Batman is always better. And so yeah. I can't believe we've not. So I mean, And we have, we've seen it in the animated series, which is obviously the second best Batman. Um, because it's yep. pretty much still <laughs> the same Batman as Batman 89. Um, in, yeah, I mean, that, that's when we've seen it works. And, you know, and in some of the other more recent animated movies. But I just can't, I'm really hoping that's where we're going to go with the latest, whatever Batman we're dealing with now, you know, um, yeah. whichever one's in the multi, front of the multiverse at the minute. I'd love to see the Batman of the Batman get a Robin, because that would be really interesting. I feel like that little boy who um, his dad was killed in the Batman. I forget yeah. his name. Uh, I feel like that has to be Robin because he's the voice actor of Robin on one of the animated shows. That, I mean, that would that makes sense, and it'd be wonderful. And again, yeah, <laughs> we, don't have to go, we don't have to keep going back and seeing Batman Begins again, again. No, again, exactly. We sort of know how he's Batman now because it's been in every movie, um, <laughs> and so. Yeah, and I, I would love to see Batfleck with a, you know, with a Robin, but obviously they had to kill him off beforehand. And it's yeah. just like, just show me Batman and Robin, you cowards. No, I know. I, it's ridiculous at yeah. this point. Yes. No, that's so funny. Batman 89 was actually our first episode. I know, I've listened um, to it. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. So you know how much we love yeah. that movie. Like, um, so I love hearing you talk about it. I kind of wish you were on that episode because it sounds like it would have been a crazy time, honestly. Get me back to talk about Batman Re- Returns one time and then it'll get Oh crazy. my gosh. If we... you want to get nuts, let's get nuts. <laughs> no, we are waiting for that. That would be amazing. Mm. Um, so I'm assuming 89 is your favorite Batman. I don't know if I've, um, I've let that one slip. I, yeah, you, ca- you kind of hinted at it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> And then you enjoy the animated series. I do. That was my introduction to Batman. So mm-hmm. I, I live for that. I love that. Do you have a favorite Batman villain? Like a favorite portrayal of any of the Batman villains or in oh. the comics? Do you have a favorite? Oh, it's really hard. I, I'm, always, I know. I'm always a Penguin <laughs> fan. I love Penguin mm. when he's being a proper gangster. Um, <laughs> when he's it, when you get the Godfather in Gotham City, you know. So, yes. yes. And I think when I was a kid, actually, on Batman... 66. I think the Penguin was my favorite villain there. I mean, he likes umbrellas. I'm British. Of course, I like him. Um, But I think, yeah, I think the Penguin's the most, because the Penguin is, everyone says that the Joker's the flip side of Batman, Mm -hmm. but the Penguin's Mm -hmm. the flip side of Batman. He's the one that comes from money. He's the one who's got power. He's the one who, you know, has a reputation in the city other than just killing people. 
Um, mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I think the two of them, they would understand each other more. And I mean, obviously in Batman Returns, they, they play on that a bit. But um, in the comics, whenever they've delved into the fact that, you know, Bruce and the Cobbots and the Waynes are contemporaries of each other, yeah. Um, yeah. that's when I find that really interesting. And I mean, yeah, there's obviously, I'm also a boy of the, of like the 90s comics. And so things mm-hmm. like Anarchy is really important to me. Um, and the Mud Pack and sort of, um, you know, that sort of detective comic run of the 90s. Um, yeah, that, that was incredibly um, important to me growing up. And so, so yeah, it's, but it's always Penguin. If I could, you know, if I could work my will, he's in every story. Not necessarily always <laughs> as the bad guy, because I like yeah, it as well yeah. when Penguin could be. Penguin has the ability to be a proper anti-hero as well at times. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I think he gets forgotten quite a lot in the, in the rogues gallery. Um, Probably because he's always there, but um, he's obviously not yeah. the Joker. And while I love the Joker, you know, the Joker you know is, you know the Joker's going to be insane. With co- mm-hmm. with Cobblepot, mm-hmm. you don't know when he's going to snap. And I think that's yeah. what the, the exciting thing is. No, that is super interesting. I've also, I'm so glad we're talking about this. I've never thought about how similar he is to Bruce. Mm. That's so funny. He really is kind of an example of like the two, like two roads diverging, you know? They're what the bat, a path the bat could and the bird. be. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. I never have thought about that. Really. That's so interesting. I love that. Okay. And you're totally right about you never know with the Joker. You know he's going to choose chaos. Yeah. No matter what, but you don't know what the decisions are going to be behind the penguin. That is. I love that. That's awesome. So you mentioned that you're writing Titans. Um, mm-hmm. I was looking into your history with DC. I saw you wrote for Wonder Woman and Black Adam as well. Mm-hmm. We're here to talk about five scary stories for a dark night. We are. Was that your first project you've written about Batman? Uh, no, I've written a. We had um, a McFarlane um, action figure set come out earlier this year, which was oh my gosh, ba- Batman, Superman, Black Adam, and John Constantine. Um, and there was a comic book in there, and I I um, wrote that comic book. So and that had Batman in it. It's got the entire Justice League in it. I was geeking out. Um, and so oh, that's so awesome. So yeah, so there was a little bit of Batman in there, not not a lot. I don't know. I'm trying to work out when it was. I might have written Scary Stories first. Um, mm-hmm. I think everything I've pitched, I've tried to pitch Batman in it. You know, just, yeah, and, Batman, yeah. and Batman arrives um, just because, well, that makes life cooler, doesn't it? Um, but I, mean, <laughs> I think that most of the time they said no, and they're in the in the. I've alluded to him lots, so in the. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always having people joke about Batman because then I get to write the words Batman. Um, so, you know, why wouldn't you? Um, so, yeah, yeah it was, it, I can't remember now, but it was either I wrote that that one shot first or this one, but, but it was actually probably all around the same time. Yeah, yeah. Were you, how did it feel to finally, to be able to write this book and to oh, say you had your own Batman book? <laughs> it, it's, it's very cool. So the, the way it came about was I have a history of writing sort of all age Halloween spooky stories. And so to, give, mm-hmm. to explain five scary stories for a dark night, it's, it's, it's supposed to be a, a book that all the family can read. It's, um, it's not too adult. It's hopefully not too kiddie. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a Halloween story collection. And I've been writing them for a while for, um, for Star Wars with the Vader's Castle series, um, which has been published mm-hmm. for IDW and now are published by Dark Horse. And so again, I'd, I'd had this, reputation of writing sort of you know treehouse of terror kind of stories for star wars yeah. and the um editors at random house came to me and said 
is this something you'd be interested in doing for Batman? (gasps) And they had me the moment they said Alfred was going to be the Crypt Keeper. And I was like, yep, I'm in. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, Because if anyone follows me on Twitter or anything, they they probably know I'm a massive horror fan as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Classic Hammer Horror. um, And in around the same time as Hammer was a big thing, there was another series from Amicus, which was um, things like Tales from the Crypt. And, and, and you know, put one two man movies with a, a framing story and then little short stories um, horror stories and that's pretty much what this is so if you don't know it it's a the reader finds themselves in the back cave um they find alfred um dusting the cursed collection of artifacts that batman keeps around the cave because obviously he does um <laughs> and each of those artifacts has a story and alfred will then um tell you that story and so the fun part is well not only i was right was i writing batman stories and batman and robin stories um and batman and stories with the joker the penguin the riddler um it was all of those things and i was writing them as alfred so um that in itself was amazing because again as a brit i used to love the fact that alfred (laughs) you know and and the fact he was a hard man in the past and you know he's ended up in this role and although you do struggle to think that with the batman 89 to be, to be honest, but Alfred, even though true, I love him, true. I can't really imagine him in the SAS. Um, but but yeah, so it, all in all, it was just too much of a too much of a joy. My wife is also a massive Harley fan, and so oh, it, I love gave that. Me, it gave me a chance to um, write a Harley story. And so yeah, it was it was everything that I would have wanted to do, um, and it combined mm-hmm. horror and 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 Gotham. Um, and I think the original working title was Haunted, Haunted Gotham. And so, um, yeah. so yeah, I, I was in from the, the moment they, they, I opened the email. No, it's such a perfect Halloween time read. I got to wake up this morning. I had a blanket and a cup of coffee. And I just yeah. sat there and read the book. And it was <laughs> so fun. Like, oh, thank you. the stories are definitely not too kitty. I, I just found myself like fully, I was very into horror as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have too many books that were like for children that were scary Mm. um whatever i could find i got my hands on for sure but i also loved batman and i was just thinking while i was reading it i was just i would have loved this so much as a kid and i'm so excited that kids get to have this now like that is so awesome and it definitely is one that the whole family can read together especially at halloween time um i love that Alfred is the narrator. Is there a specific Alfred performance that you kind of channeled while you were writing this from him, his perspective, or did you start fresh with your idea of him? I think the entire book was channeled by the animated series. And so I was playing the soundtrack continually when I was planning the stories. (laughs) I don't, don't listen when I write, but I listen sort of just before to get myself sort of gear change. And, and, you know, the Danny Elfman scores are pretty much Mm. high on my list, but yeah, Mm. I mean, Again, the style um, that the illustrator um, that that Jeanette chose was very along the style, you know, along the style of the oh gosh, of the yeah. animated series, and definitely I could hear that Alfred telling this, and you know, and it it, it was Kevin doing the voice of Batman when Batman smoke, spoke, and so it's heavily influenced by those stories, um, you know. And if I could have literally put it into that universe, I, w- I think I would have, but it, you know, it's definitely supposed to have that feel. Yeah, the illustrations by Jeanette Arroyo are amazing. Mm. I it was so it was so nice just to look at them. I just kept pausing my like my read through and mm. just looking at all the details in the art. It was so good. And it definitely does have that animated series feel. I love that so much. So we talked about 
it is for we're going to get into each of the little stories and mm-hmm. break them down really quickly but um it is a book for younger readers mm-hmm. and you've written a lot of children's books or young young reader books mm-hmm. what do you like the most about writing for audiences that are just about to you write obviously novels for young adults and adults but what do you like about writing for children because children are just excited mm-hmm. and they're excited mm-hmm. about stories <laughs> and they have no embarrassment they like a story there's no sense that they shouldn't like that story they they yeah. have no idea what a guilty pleasure is because i don't <laughs> believe in them myself there's no such thing as guilty pleasures there are just pleasures and mm-hmm. I've loved enough bad horror films over the years to realize that. And, <laughs> and when you when you talk to kids, yeah, there's there's no pretense. You know, they, they, if they no. love something, they really love something. If they don't like it, they will tell you. Um, and there's no sense that they, I mean, I think we've all done it, you know, as we get slightly older and we, we, we think, well, we have to analyze this and treat it like it's a paper yeah. for school or whatever. It's just, no, sometimes you just got to enjoy the hell out of it. And I think that's what I love about this age group. I like writing horror for kids because horror... Kids love horror. Kids yes. love being scared <laughs> from the moment they first see Scooby Doo. From the first moment mm-hmm. they hear they hear a Grimm's fairy tale, um, they see a Disney film. They they love being scared, and I think there should I should there should be more horror books for kids. I mean, this is again very much in the vein of hoping that people who read Goosebumps will pick this up. People, you know, yeah. it's literally yeah. the title is literally a play on scary stories to tell in the dark. In the, mm-hmm. in the dark. Mm-hmm. So, um, definitely it's supposed to be along those lines, and. And again, I love gateway horror for kids, you know, and yeah. you have to be careful and you have to be responsible and you, you can't push things too far because you don't want to scar anyone, but you know that they're going to be reading Stephen King <laughs> pretty soon. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, for me, again, growing up, it was things like Doctor Who was my, my gateway to horror because that, I, I was terrified of that. I was terrified of the Doctor, um, <laughs> let alone the monsters. Tom Baker freaked me right out. And, and but I mean, that, it was because of them that I, got into Hammer and from Hammer I got into Universal and then I discovered Stephen King and then I saw Freddy Krueger and so my love of monsters come is directly from sitting down on on, my grandma's house on a a Saturday afternoon at 5 30 and watching Doctor Who and so we need these you know if we're going to have a future of a horror it's not just Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. people my age or reliving the nostalgia but it's like bringing those that next generation in um, and we see that time and time again, and, you know, and in the past, it was people who say they saw the Goonies first or, or the Monster Squad, you know, and, and my yeah. kids will probably find it completely, you know, it's probably Goosebumps, the movie for them. Um, the proudest moment I ever had was my youngest daughter. I think she was about 12 then coming home on, on a Halloween night and telling me she'd watch Halloween. And I think Aww. she thought I'd be, <laughs> I'd be upset about it. I was like, let's put Halloween 2 on. Um, <laughs> and my wife stopped me. Um, but oh it's gosh. like, you know, it's, it's that, um, we need we need people if we're going to have horror stories in the future. Um, and I'm a passionate fan of the horror genre. We need kids to realize the fun of it as well, and to and yes. also to realize the benefits of learning how to be scared and learning how to cope with things in mm. the safety of your own home when you can put the book down or you can turn the telly off or whatever. Um, so it, yeah, it's really important to me to be writing um, scary stories for this age group. No, that's so it's so true. And like I said, I mean, I was that target audience as a kid. I was just looking for horror anywhere I could get it. So that is so perfect. And I love what you said about just loving things and not having to critique it. I'm not even joking at about 4am this morning over some Negronis, my friends and I were having a heated discussion because I was fighting for my love of bad movies. I love them. 
And I, I, I was telling them, like, if you want me to write an essay and an analysis, I can tell you every single thing that's wrong yeah. with the film. But I don't want to because I had fun and I can turn my brain off and just have fun and enjoy something bad. Just like I, I love DC and I'm not going to sit and pretend that every DC movie is perfect, you know, right. but I can enjoy them still at the end of the day because I have a passion for it. And so we just had that conversation very early this morning. So it's funny that you bring that up. Most horror, horror fans can find something in a really bad movie because yes, most yes. majority of horror films are awfully bad. Um, <laughs> they are. You know, when, when you get into sort of like, you know, but, but what you get with them is I don't think you ever have someone produce a horror film half-heartedly. You know, yes. no, you know, when you, the day I discovered Shudder appeared over here, it was just a glorious moment for me because I knew <laughs> that there would be some classics on there. I knew there would be oh, some yeah. stuff I would never have a chance to see. But I also knew there'd be stuff that I would have watched at three o'clock in the morning, you know, when I was at mm -hmm. university and loved every flipping second of it, even though I know how bad it was. You know, I, I'm the person yeah. who will watch the 10th, you know, um, the 10th installment of a, of a 1980s slasher movie <laughs> series. I mean, I'm the person who still is this next week going to celebrate going finishing the edits of my book by going to see the new Halloween movie. Halloween, I've been yep. bitten so many times by watching Halloween movies. I mean, oh my God. the last one being it, a yeah. point in fact, but that I will still hard. go back. But there's still stuff in there I liked, you know, it's, and yes. I think you can always find something in these films that you, you, you like. And again, you know, no one sets out to make a, a bad movie. They set out to do the best movie they can or write the best yes. comic they can or whatever. And if you can find that love they put into it, you can get something out of it. Yeah. I, my co-host and I also host a um, cult and camp film podcast uh -huh. because we both love that as well. And she went and saw, we're both big Halloween fans and we've been hurt before. Yeah. Um, but she How went and saw it last night and loved it. So I have hope. I'm very I'm, excited. I'm I, I love the reboot. <laughs> when they rebooted it, I thought it was, it yeah, was near perfect. Was great. Yeah. And then the last one I went in with, that much excitement um, mm -hmm. and that i went excitement about that and i went inside more about Candyman within the space of oh. a few weeks of each other and then i was very sad yes, for quite a yes. long time i i had a very hard i had a very hard time i had talked all my friends into going to see halloween kills i think mm -hmm. it was yeah and i was very much hyping it up because i loved 2018 um so that was an interesting experience for sure yeah. <laughs> And, and, you know, and usually I don't talk about things I don't like. My, my, my natural state online is if I, if I love something, I will not shut up about it. If I yeah, don't like yeah. something, I'll go, do you know what? I don't have to talk about this because that mm -hmm. old thing about if you don't, you know, if you've got nothing good to say, don't say anything at all. Mm -hmm. And also I'm in this business. So the last thing yeah. that I should do is go out and slag someone else's project off because at the end <laughs> of the day, it's not up to me. Um, yeah. whether people like it. And there will always be people. There will be someone out there who loves Halloween Kills, who thinks yes. it's the best movie in the world. Um, and my default reaction to all of these things was, it's not for me. And that last film mm -hmm. was not for me. Previous mm -hmm. film was oh so much for me. And I'm hoping yeah. the, new, the new one will be in that the latter category. But um, yeah, I, I try very much. I, I don't, I hate the modern sort of like thing of like, you either hate something or love something and no, no, no in between. Um, and that's Twitter down to a, a T because, you know, <laughs> say there's always something you can like. And also... It'd be really boring if we liked all the same things. Um, and I know. You, you know, yeah. it's, it's better when you're sitting with your buddies in a pub and you say, what, you like that? And now I will tell yeah. you every reason why you're wrong. I don't need to do that online uh -huh. because there's plenty of people doing that anyway. Exactly. And 
I, I definitely feel like celebrating what you love is so much more fun. It's just a better experience. Yeah. And no, I, I can pretty much my my feeling on bad films is I can find something I like in everything. Almost every movie I see, I can find one aspect that I'm like, I really enjoyed that part of it. Yeah. Um, so I definitely get that. I get the Twitter experience, um, especially as a fan of certain franchises. Uh, <laughs> it can be it can be very black and white online. Yeah. So completely agree. Let's really quickly. Yes. I don't want to take up all your time. Let's talk about the five stories. So yes, you have okay. there's Picture Imperfect, which mm-hmm. is Catwoman. She attempts to steal a painting and gets caught in a witch's trap. Yeah. Batman needs to save her. It's very fun. Um, we've got the bats in the wall, which is Penguin is being driven insane by the sound of bats inside <laughs> That's his walls. the one walls. I can't believe they got let me get away with. <laughs> is that the Telltale Heart? Is that it's kind of you yeah, referencing? You know, it's, yeah, it, it's a bit of that. It's also uh, you know a bit. It's me. Can I do cosmic horror for kids? In you yeah. know in in Batman? Yes, apparently I can. Um, and even the fact the fact they let me say call it the bats in the wall. I don't. I didn't think they were going to do that. It was there were so yeah. many points in this book. I went, you're not going to, are you? Oh no, you are um and yeah i mean you know and, and what i loved in that is the way we, we originally didn't know how comic booky we were going to make the book um you know mm-hmm. originally i pitched mm-hmm. that alfred would be in a comic strip and the stories would be prose they didn't know if they could actually do that for leave for legal yeah. reasons because yeah if it's a comic then it's dc you know if it's a book it's random house and so um but we we found a good compromise and again with this i, I wrote it with sound effects as if I was writing a comic and, oh, and then yeah. they they work these into the artwork and yeah the scritching and scratching of of the of the bats the penguin could hear um yeah and you know again some of these like the old films you don't necessarily know at the end if if the penguin is being haunted by bats or whether he's just mm-hmm. being haunted by mm-hmm. his own fear of batman my uh, my note for this one was this was unsettling very good <laughs> so <laughs> it, even as an adult who loves horror i was like ooh that was creepy, but in a very good way. Like, Thank I you. loved that one. We got The Seeds of Doom. <laughs> Which I have to laugh because I've talked about Doctor Who. That's literally a Doctor Who title that I nicked I... completely. <laughs> That's amazing. I did not catch that. That's amazing. No. Oh, my gosh. Um, so Poison Ivy steals an ancient rose that was found mm-hmm. in Egypt from a museum. She trigger- triggers the Pharaoh's curse. And um, that girl tries to save the day the ending of that one that was a very good twist at the end i was like oh my gosh kind of creepy (laughs) but i thought that story was so cute i harley and ivy are two of my favorite Mm -hmm. characters um of all times it was so great and batgirl is so wonderful that was a shock i wanted to write a mummy story because it's really hard to write mummy stories because yeah i love mummy films i mean so much and uh, whether that's the original Universal films, or whether the mm-hmm. Hammer versions, or or the um, or the films from the nineties, you know, I'm I'm a sucker for a, a a mummy movie. They're really hard to come up with something new to do, and so to, I mean, one of the things I don't want to give too many spoilers, but you know, one of the things is that I've got I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to Egyptology, and so I know that you know when we had a big thing in, in when I was a kid that the Bristol Museum unwrapped a mummy live on television, and so. One yeah. of the things they said, and I remembered from that day, was that it had seeds in it, um, and so you know mm. because things get caught in the caught in the in the mummy when it's being wrapped, it had seeds and dust in it. So again, when you introduce poison ivy into this, who yeah. can manipulate nature, and if anyone's ever read any of my things, mostly in Star Wars, they know I do <laughs> love an evil plant, 
And oh so um, <laughs> the thought that she could then animate mummies because they've got seeds in them was just too much of a, you know, too much of an opportunity to, to miss. Um, and oh, it was perfect. And I think originally, I don't know, originally the, the, the pitch was that it, not all the stories had to feature Batman. In fact, there was one pitch, mm. the, the original pitch, that had to feature other, feature other superheroes. And there is a, a, a missing story that I could probably talk about in a minute. Oh my gosh. I don't know if I should. <laughs> no one's stopping me um and yeah but so this one it, i think originally i thought of it being batman but now i was like no this is a batgirl story and it gave me a yeah. chance to write batgirl so another tick for the list no i love that and the the idea of her using the seeds inside the wraps was brilliant i loved that so much we had the ghost in the machine mm-hmm. which is there's a ghost of a famous racer and he's taking the batmobile out for a spin and a lot of chaos ensues. It's basically Christine. I mean, yeah, I wanted yes. to do. Chris, I think that was my pitch: Christine with the Batmobile, because it just seemed an obvious thing to do. Um, and there was lots of we were knocking about, going, "Oh, is this gentleman ghost? Is this?" You know, I think one of the original mm. pitches it was gentleman ghost who was possessing the Batmobile um, to teach Batman a lesson. Um, <laughs> and I think the editor it was the editor who came up, with, you know, idea of well, what if it's um, a, a ghost of a former you know, racing car driver. And I was like, well, no, that, that's perfect. And so that's yeah. where it became this. Oh, that is, no, it was such a fun one. And it's Robin. Yeah, I was just about to say, good Robin content for yeah. sure. <laughs> you know, and again, they it was it was Damien, so it gave me a chance to write Damien, but in the style of, of the animated series, you know. And yeah. again, coming back to my Robin obsession, I love, I love the fact, I think when Damien was introduced, a lot of people were quite miffed by it, but I was just like, no, it's, it's literally his son. This is amazing. And it's a son who's slightly more psychotic than he is. Um, and yes. And yeah, I, those two together, right? whenever they're together in the comics, I cheer. So it, yeah, it, was, a, it, was, a, it was a nice moment to be, able to, to be able to write those. That one was fantastic. And then we have The Last Laugh, which is mm-hmm. fun because this one is set on Halloween. Yes. Which made it even more perfect to read it right now. Uh, Damon and Batman have the Necro Comic Con, which is the joke book of the dead. I lost it when I read that. I think that's so fantastic. When the victims read the jokes aloud, they're haunted by laughing specters. And I love that it scared the crap out of Joker and Harley. Yeah. I think that's such a good spin. Also, I cheered when Harley was in it. I knew Joker was going to be in it, but I love seeing my girl in every form of media. So I was so excited. That one was so fun. Do you have any, like, any fun stories about that one? Or oh, So that was the one that changed the most. I think they had three different really? versions. So um, the, this is one that's linked to the, the, un, the sort of unwritten story. So originally the pitch mm. was that one of the stories had to feature Superman. And so mm. I was beside myself then because no matter how much I loved Batman, Superman is my boy. And he always has been mm-hmm. because Superman. And, um, but one of the, one of the comics I remember from the, from the reboot in the eighties was the first action comics annual. And it was, I think it's written by John Byrne and with Art Adams on art. And it's a one shot of Batman and Superman versus vampires. And, um, I think it's one of the first times I realized that vampires could hurt Superman because they're magic and therefore, you know, because there's that weird thing that magic seems to be. He's vulnerable to magic for some reason. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I'm, I just remember, I love that one. And I re- and because it's uh, because it's horror and it's, you know, it, I just went back and reread it loads and loads and loads. <laughs> and loads. I've lost it. And because we were having this conversation, I was thinking about it and I've rebought it on eBay. Um, oh my gosh. And so <laughs> even though I could get it on DC Universe, I just want to 
on Halloween, read this one again. Then. Yeah. Um, and so when they said that, my mind immediately went back to that that comic. And I think I pitched originally a laugh, the Laughing Dead, which was um, for some reason because of horror the joker starts off a zombie apocalypse where the zombies laugh and if you hear the laughter you become the zombie and so um then superman hears the laughter and it it all goes Mm. hideously wrong and to stop it you have to deafen the person because you know i think there's one point that superman was going to clap and a lot of the zombies would stop being zombies for a minute and go back to being normal so batman realizes this and he uses the speaker system in the batmobile to deafen superman <laughs> it was very silly, um, and that was the pitch I made for the for the last story. It was going to be Joker, Superman, and Batman. Then they decided, and I think quite rightly, that if you have a Superman story in in this first volume, and I've no idea if there's going to be any more, but you know, just the, mm-hmm. it would overwhelm. You know, it, 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 they wanted it just to be about Batman, and so when Superman yeah, arrives, yeah. everyone's looking at Superman. So mm-hmm. quite right, and then so I, I then pivoted on that and thought, well, I still it still has to be the Joker. Um, this gives me the chance to do the Harley Harley story I wanted. Yeah. And so I was playing with the sort of Night of the Demon um, sort of um, thing of if you get past a joke, um, you'll get, you're cursed. And so it was that for a while and that became the, the joke book of the dead. And so I wrote an entire new, entire version of it, which wasn't quite right, which was the, it was called the killing joke because no one's ever... <laughs> used that title before um and it was the joker getting someone it was the joker oh. was someone was slipping the um slipping a joke in his back pocket and so he he fell in he, and i think it, we we weren't allowed to kill him so he was in a coma because he'd laughed himself to oh um and so and batman was trying to you know work out what's going on before the joker sort of finally giggled his way to the grave but then again it was, it just wasn't quite working and that's when this came about i love this one so much i do agree with the choice to that superman might have overwhelmed it yeah. however i love that pitch i think <laughs> that is fantastic also it's funny because that the laughing dead is obviously an evil dead reference i'm mm-hmm. assuming yeah but when i was reading this one when they're reading out from the book i was like oh it's like an evil dead Yes. That was like my first thought. So. <laughs> exactly that. I mean, <laughs> once hilarious. again, once we, you know, once we, and, and, and Neko, the Necro Comic Con, which again just made mm, me laugh. And so again, good. <laughs> it was one of those like, that, they're, they're not going to let me. Oh, no, they have. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, so that, I think out of all the stories, that one, the rest of them were pretty much formed. You know, I don't think there was any changes on the Witch's Trap um, story with Catwoman. Um, that was always there. I'd say the, the only change on the mummy story is that it went from Batman to being Batgirl. Um, mm. The stuff about, you know, the, the, the gentleman ghost, that wasn't a writing stage or anything. That was just, that was just what we were throwing ideas about. Um, but yeah, yeah, this was the one that probably, I'm glad it finishes the book because it's the one that sort of took us the longest, I think, to really nail uh, about mm-hmm. how we mm-hmm. do it. Um, and I think it is, it's just a fun story. And you get to see Batman and Robin, you know, in, in a, and again, in a very sort of Batman 66 way. And I think the the illustrations sort of lean into that as well. You get to see them in the manor. You know, you get to see them yeah. <laughs> in the library. I mean, the, the, there's one image of, you know, Bruce looking at, um, looking at a piece of paper and, and, and Robin laughing behind. And it could be, you know, it could be Adam West and Burt Ward and, um, by their costumes. And so I, I love that it has that, that feel to it as well. That is so, it's perfect. I loved it so much. Do you have a favorite? in the book like a favorite story in the book i think it's the penguin because i think again it was, <laughs> the, it was just 
it was the fact that it's actually quite scary. Um, it, it was. <laughs> and, I, and, you know, I'm a big fan of, of Creeping Dread. And, and again, it was, it was a challenge to get it right. It was a challenge to get that right level of, um, of fear, but, you know, make sure that it, it wasn't going to scar children who might read this, you know, or, or the parents yeah. of the children who have to read it to them. I, I want to give something, I want to give some nightmares, but not too many. Yeah. And I think it's really honestly helpful having Alfred after every story yeah. being like, whoa, that was a little scary, like, and yeah. regrouping the kid. I think that that's so perfect. And it's a good way to break it up. So it's not just scare to scare to scare. And some stories are funnier. Some are like genuinely creepy. So I think that's, I think that's fantastic. I don't want to take up any more of your time. I appreciate you being on here so much. This was so awesome to talk to you. It was great to be here. And you know, I said, I, I will talk about this stuff till I'm blue in the face. So, no, um, I, I love it. it. I, I feel like I have so many questions, but I feel horrible for how much time I've taken. Go on, give me, give me another couple of questions. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, let's I go feel so it. bad. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I'll get through them quickly. Okay. We, they might be repetitive, so we can skip them. Okay. If so. So you've obviously done comics and mm -hmm. novels and all of that. What is the writing process like when you're doing a series of short stories rather than a story that has a plot line from start to finish i mean the fun thing about doing anthologies and i've done a few of these now is that you you can mm -hmm. every day is a new story so each one of these stories you know it would be i think it took the first draft of it took me a week to i'd had it all planned out so it was a case oh, of like wow. I, I left a week going like on monday it's that story on tuesday it's that story and so it meant i could compartmentalize the day into thinking about, you know, this is what the story is. And then obviously it would take time mm -hmm. to tide it up so it, it wasn't completely rubbish. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was fun to have a, like a theme for the day for these. And I think that's the, and again, I've worked on these, these kind of anthologies, Star Wars and things as well. And I mean, that is the, yeah. the joy of them is that when you're writing any kind of no novels, I find the hardest work, work of all. So I, I, you know, I've, I've done a bit of TV. I've done, I've done a lot of radio. I've done a lot of comics and I've done books. And novels, especially adult novels, are my hardest thing mm -hmm. I have to work through because they're so big and I always have to then break it down and say this week I'm editing and I have to think about it in chapters I can't think about it end of the book because I will cry mm, and it yeah. just will not yeah. it won't happen I pet you know I would be petrified so with this it it does give you that that because it, it is literally broken up into different stories and so there is a different feel about it when you're in a big novel as well the good thing is that you can get on a roll and you can you know power through with characters um but as I say then you have a lot of work ahead of you with this it's it's like the best best of both worlds because it does give you a chance to do episodal um you know storytelling which is much like comics and comics are my happy place so uh, you know when i'm writing novels i try and make sure i've got comics on the go as well because then i can say i'm going to stop now and go and work on that and it's a bit like a palette mm -hmm. cleanser mm -hmm. um this sort of felt the same way for me this felt a bit like a a, a comic project not only because it's oh, that's batman awesome. But because it was that sense of shorter stories um, or making up something larger. Yeah. Um, and last one. Do you yes. have a dream Batman project you could write? Like if you could write anything in the world for that character, what would you want to do? I don't want to steal any pitches, but like would no, it be not, a I'm novel? Pitch. I, like, yeah. <laughs> I suppose I would love to write some. I mean, I've, I've pitched Batman to DC and I mean, mm -hmm. I'm still in the mm -hmm. process of pitching Batman because I will always pitch it. Um, yeah. And while I would love to write, I think I would love to write an animated um, movie or, or oh, that's show awesome. because again, for me, Batman is animated. I mean, way even way beyond the animated series. I mean, um, mm -hmm. when I was a kid, there was also the sort of 
Adam West animated series as well, you know, and mm-hmm. even to the fact that Adam, Adam 66, that's a program I would have watched. Batman 66, the title <laughs> sequence is a comic and a stroke animation. So um, yeah. Batman is always in my heart. I think I see him as, no matter how much I love the Keaton films, I think I see him as an animated character. And so I would l- absolutely adore to write something. I mean, not that it would happen, but the Batman 89 comic that came out recently, uh-huh. if I could have done yeah. that, and then yeah. carry on in that universe. If I could, let, let's face it, the last few weeks have been hard for Michael Keaton fans because we have no idea now if we're ever going to see him again. But yeah. um, doing an animated series, that's my, there we are, that's my dream job. It would be doing the Batman 89 animated series with Michael Keaton providing the voice, um, you know, and with, oh God, I'll bring back the Joker and it would be Jan Eccleston if I could afford it. Mm. Um, so it would, you know, it, it, but to have, just in the same way when they did sort of um, Batman 66, um, the comic book, when you saw Harley in the 60s, you know, and that kind of thing. I'd love yeah. to run through the entire gamut of the, of the rogues gallery. And yes, that includes Harley, but in the style <laughs> of Batman 89. Oh, and so God. if I could work in my will, that'd be what I'm doing. Because um, that would be the perfect combination of worlds for me. So if Michael Keaton is listening to this and he wants to... Um, pitch this with me i'd be happy to talk yeah. about it michael this is the we're gonna start a campaign for you please Just let let him write it <laughs> oh my gosh thank you again are there any projects that you'd like to plug anything that's come out recently you'd like to tell our listeners about before we go well there's obviously a little book called batman five scary stories for a dark night <laughs> which is perfect for halloween um perfect. there's titans united blood um, blood pack which is out now which is where the titans wake up to find themselves in a world well, Raven is worshipped as a god, um, and Brother mm. Blood is her chief priest. Um, that's a lot of fun. Um, then a little thing called Star Wars The High Republic, which I'm working on as well, which <laughs> launched um, the first issue came out this week. And then, because obviously I'm bored and don't have enough to do, I have a new horror comic coming out from IDW in December called um, oh Dead Seas, which the pitch of it is basically the Poseidon Adventure meets Haunting of Hill House. It's a world oh. where... Um, ectoplasm can cure most diseases but it's really hard and dangerous to get hold of so what people do is they put ghosts on ships send them into the middle of the ocean oh. and then send prisoners in to collect the ectoplasm because then they can have a reduced sentence unfortunately most of the prisoners go mad within the first hour of being on the ship um unfortunately for these prisoners the st- ship starts to sink so a sinking <sighs> ship means more ghosts and so that comes out the six century miniseries coming out from um idw in december in it broken Shire on art and it's a hell of a lot of fun and then beyond that i'll probably just have a sit down on a cup of tea yeah yeah that okay that last thing you just talked about i'm genuinely so excited for that i've never heard of that i that is so up my alley you have no idea i cannot (laughs) wait (laughs) oh my gosh thank you so much thank you for having me yeah any literally anytime you're willing to be on we'd love to have you thank you so much Thank you again to Kevin. That was so amazing to have him on today. Really exciting and such a fun conversation. But before we go, Raina and I want to cover some DC news that's been out there this week because it's been really jam-packed. Like every single day, it feels like there's an announcement. Uh, Raina, do you want to tell us what news we have? Yeah, first up, according to The Hollywood Reporter, Warner Brothers Discovery's uh, DC Universe is shattering. The source of this is IGN. So 
I'm reading the IGN article, but they say, according to The Hollywood Reporter, Warner Brothers Discovery's DC Universe is shattering with different key players emerging. While James Gunn is aiming to be a bigger part of the DC machine along with Dwayne Johnson, the report says Matt Reeves is growing his influence over Batman with even more Batman spinoffs. While the director is already working on a Penguin spinoff series and an Arkham Asylum series, Reeves is reportedly meeting with other writers and directors to build out other movies focused on Batman villains such as Scarecrow, Clayface, and Professor Pig. And then the James Gunn front, it's going to be the Suicide Squad director. James Gunn isn't quite done with DC. According to The Hollywood Reporter, the filmmaker has been secretly working on another DC movie for Warner Brothers. So that's a lot Holy to take shit. in. Uh, yeah. where, do we, where do we start with this one? Um, love the Matt Reeves news. It's interesting because it sounds like, like, I know I'm guilty of saying it's interesting, but I think this is genuinely kind of like kind of shocking that it kind of sounds like they're having um, Matt Reeves almost like cultivate like a cinematic universe. Yeah, I was literally about to say he's the Kevin Feige of Batman right now. <laughs> and it's weird because they're still like trying to do the DCEU. I do think it's odd, but I get that they're completely different vibes and I trust Matt Reeves. So I'm kind of down for it. I'm fine with having two simultaneous cinematic universes. I'm genuinely wondering, though, like, who are the writers and directors that he's like meeting with? Mm, that's a good question. I, don't I feel like they have to be directors similar to his work and his taste, you know? I do remember a while back, like Mike Flanagan was saying on Twitter that he would love to do a Clayface movie. And I think it's no accident that Clayface is popping up in this report by name. Yeah, I would shit my pants if we got a Mike Flanagan Clayface movie (laughs) or show. I'd die. He seems like the type like that has a good relationship with Warner Brothers already because he did Dr. Sleep. Yeah. And he seems like the type that Which would I just be rewatched like, last week. Fun fact. He seems like the type that would be perfect to like do something like kind of like not the same feel as Batman, but something in that same world. Yeah. Like in universe for sure. It's kind of wild how they want to build up like villains like Scarecrow and Professor Pig for like the Reeves's Batman universe or world, whatever they're calling this one. I think it's so smart, though, because the the villains are the most compelling part of Batman, in my opinion. And I feel like the villains set Batman apart from like the MCU and a lot of other uh, superheroes in DC. And I think it's so genius to give them all their own kind of their own origin project like they were superheroes, but they're not. Um, I just think that's so fun. And I mean... We've oversaturated the market so much with superhero movies. It's such a fun concept that we'd start getting origin stories for the villains instead and have the heroes kind of take a backing role in it. I think that's the only way to continue to have comic book movies without just completely oversaturating the market. You have to change it up, you know. But at the same time, Joker worked with Joaquin Phoenix because it's the Joker, like one of DC's most popular characters, like would anybody even go see a Clayface movie or a Professor Pig movie? True, true. Like I feel unless they're established in the second Batman movie. You know what I mean? But at that point, it's like, shouldn't you flesh out your villains like in the movie that they're in? That's fair. That's fair. All valid criticisms. I do think a lot of this will probably not come to fruition just because I feel like it would yeah. be spreading the world too thin. 
And it's like, what's it leading up to? Is it going to lead up to like, rather than Avenger style team up, it's going to be like a long Halloween movie where it's just Batman against like every single villain. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Which I don't, I, I'm going to be real. I don't know if that would work on the big screen. I wonder, though, I feel like all of those villains would be kind of like what they're doing with the Penguin. I mean, the villains might even be introduced in the Penguin show and then have a spinoff, you know? Maybe, but I I just don't want like to me, the Batman worked so well because it was the antithesis of the modern superhero movie. Like it stripped away all the massive universe stuff. It stripped away all the like. Let's be like overly gritty. Like, let's get back to basics of what this character is. Let's focus on telling a compelling character driven story that's noir inspired. And let's Mm -hmm. go from here. All this talk of like, oh, Joker, Scarecrow, Clayface, Professor Pig. Matt Reeves has also gone on record saying that him and Robert Pattinson want to eventually tackle the Court of Owls like like what's what is the end game and i'm not saying that films and their universes need an end game but what is the goal to introduce all these villains yeah you know what i take back what i said because that makes a lot more sense <laughs> like i feel like i feel like they're introducing stuff just to introduce it yeah like almost like people went online and said oh i would love to see the, like this version of this character i don't want to say warner brothers is like taking that to heart but I would assume that like, yeah, they probably they probably do see that there's like a passing interest of a Clayface movie. But I I don't know. I just I want to say I trust like Matt Reeves and the decisions he makes. And because of that, I know that it probably won't get spread out too thin. Like a lot of this probably will not come to fruition. But I'm just super curious to who some of these other writers and directors he's meeting with are. Yeah. I don't know. Guess we'll find out in like five years when all of this finally happens, right? Right. (laughs) Yeah. And then the other DC news is that uh, James Gunn has been working on a secret DC movie as of late. I mean, we all know notoriously he said uh, he's done with Marvel and Disney after Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Yes. Yes. Which you... I'm not surprised by this news. You're not surprised by it? Not at all. What What do you think it is? Harley Quinn. It has to be right. Like it has to be something with her character. Yeah. Right? Like he, the, that birthday post he did for Margot Robbie where he said, oh, I'm so glad I get to tell stories with you. Yep. Yep. I have no doubt that she's in it. Like plural. Yeah, exactly. And both of them have gone on record saying they're not done with this character yet. Yeah. I the James Gunn being involved in more is not that's not surprising i'm very excited for it i'm very happy about it but i'm not surprised by it Mm -hmm. wasn't there some like robin news or like nightwing news or something uh no last i heard with the nightwing news was that adam mckay was still trying to develop a nightwing movie Mm. let me look i don't know what i saw like posters for the other day then titans oh yeah you're right my bad (laughs) Uh, warner brothers dropped a poster for the new season of titans yep that's it. <laughs> Black Adam came out this week as well. Uh, apparently brought in about $25 million on Friday showings alone. Critical reception, not great. Fan reception's pretty good so far, though. You think so? I think I'm seeing the opposite online. From what I've seen. Oh, damn. We have very different circles then because I've only seen really good things. Yeah, like uh, you type in Black Adam and one of the articles that pops up is uh, Black Adam's Rotten Tomato score is DCE's worst since Justice League 2017. 
But the Black Adam audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is 88%. I haven't seen this movie. I haven't either. I just think that's a weird headline when their audience score on on Rotten Tomatoes is actually fairly high. I wonder if it's just, is it people that just like The Rock? Uh, People love The Rock. The critic score is not high on Rotten Tomatoes. No, I have heard some things about this movie that make me raise an eyebrow like The Rock. Uh, yeah, you know, Noah Centineo's in this movie. (laughs) It's so weird to me that this movie is like marketed like a regular superhero movie when like Black Adam is not a superhero at all. No, not at all. Straight up villain. He does say he kills people in the trailer, though. Oh, he says it. So that makes him a bad guy. Like Black Adam in the comics is a bastard. Yeah, but they can't get away with that on a PG-13 And I wonder if part of the problem with that was that The Rock doesn't want to play an unlikable character. I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah, this movie didn't lean into the Suicide Squad connections. I'm wondering because that movie made no money. But also, I had no idea it was even connected to that. And also, like, it's weird that they're not marketing this as, like, connected to fucking Shazam. Yeah, I I feel like they just assumed everyone knows that already, which is a bad assumption, but the only thing I can think yeah, of. Yeah, nobody knows that. Nobody knows Black Adam is the Shazam villain unless, like, you are a DC fan or, like, not even a movie fan because the only reference they have is, like, is in Shazam when the wizard Shazam is talking to Billy and he's like, oh, there was one other champion before you, but he was unworthy. And it shows, like, that little, like, hologram of like ancient egypt and whatnot yeah so i i want to know what the production behind this was because also this movie's been in production since 2007 they literally announced this movie in 2007 with the rock that's so yeah that's so it 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 took so long that's crazy right yeah that's a lot i'm gonna wait till i see it to say any more comments though uh and DC movies are in a weird funk right now. I think uh, the Batman was more successful than they thought it'd be. Uh, the DCEU clearly like doesn't have a plan, but also they're like saying that Black Adam is like the first movie in the new phase of DCEU. That's mm. that's weird, right? They're like, that's weird. I, I don't know. I haven't seen it, so I can't do, say, but it sounds weird. Do not quote me, but I think The Rock was kind of going out there saying that like, oh, Black Adam is like DCEU's like Iron Man, like it's kickstarting the whole universe. I saw that. I saw that. He seems so excited for it. It makes me want to love it, though. I guess like he went into a theater that they were watching the new like uh, George Clooney movie. It was in theater in either New York or L.A. He went in and told the audience that they should be watching Black Adam. Oh, my God. And I was like, and it is like so cringe. I don't know. You know, I'd do anything he told me. He seems just like a nice guy. I'm going to see this. Do I want to see it? Not no. really, but but I'll I'll give it a fair shake. I'll watch it. <laughs> um, It's only tangentially oh, connected to Batman and whatnot. So which is. Why we felt it was appropriate to discuss on this podcast. Do you want to announce what our next episode is next week? Yes, we are so excited. Our next episode is going to be our Halloween episode where it's coming out on Halloween Day. And we're watching the long Halloween, the animated version, not the comic. And we're so excited for it. That has been 
in the works since before we started the pod. That was our plan was to start the pod so we could have a ep- Halloween episode. So I'm really excited for this one. Yeah, this one's going to be a lot of fun. Um, for those of you that do want to catch up and watch that film, uh, those films, part one and two are available on HBO Max. Warner Brothers also just released the deluxe edition on Blu-ray, which puts both animated films together into one long epic. Highly recommended. It'll be interesting. I don't think we're going to compare and contrast all that much. I think we're going to like judge the films on its own merits, but it should be fun. The cast. Yeah. Did you see the cast yet? Um, I don't remember who's in it. Oh, my gosh. Let me bring up the cast right now. I'm looking it up. You got Jensen Ackles as Batman. What? Naya Rivera as Catwoman. <gasps> oh, wait, I forgot about that. Troy Baker rip, as rip the Joker. Her. Uh, as always, my kid. Jack Quaid as Alberto Falcone. Josh Dumal as Two Face. Yes, yes. This is a he's a king for that. This is a banger of a cast. Jack Quaid. I have such a stupid crush on Jack Quaid. <laughs> Scream Five, ladies, let's go. Yes, let us go. Anyway, that wraps up our episode for this week. Uh, we want to thank Kevin for coming on the show. I have a feeling it won't it won't be his last time coming on. Yeah, no, we would love to have Kevin back. Madison, where can everyone find you? Yes, you can find me on Twitter at Mads Fairchild and on everything else at Maddie underscore Amidala. And I am also on a Game of Thrones recap pod called Throne Watch. And that is hosted by Cinemania World. So you can find me there. You can find me at JFC Doomblade on all social medias. You can find my work being published pretty regularly all over the web. Lately, I've been doing a lot of video game reviews for bloody disgusting, such as Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed, A Plague Tale Requiem, and I do have a review for Gotham Knights coming out, which we did not mention in this episode because we will have an episode dedicated to it. Exactly. Which should be interesting, but if you want a sneak peek at what I thought of that, be sure to look out for that at Bloody Disgusting. Uh, where can people find the pod on social media, Madison? You can find the pod at Batshit Podcast or at Batshit Pod on Twitter and Instagram, respectively. And we are on any place where you listen to podcasts. Until then, stay cool, everyone, <laughs> and stay on your vigilante shit. <laughs> yes. Woo! Bye!